the dead comes through the man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. What a great text. And uh, man fell, but a new man was coming. Amen. Man fell and uh, was driven out of the garden. Jesus went into the garden. He died upon the cross, the most cruel death, uh, the most barbaric death that any man could uh, experience. And yet on the third day, he was raised from the dead, overcoming the power of sin, death, and hell. And this morning, we glorify a risen Savior. Hallelujah. I want you to be really Pentecostal this morning and shout back at me lots. Is that all right? So, you know, allow your spirit to be revived. Uh, when you're revived, uh, you're, you're, you've been dead, but you're standing up now. You've been revived, uh, and God has, uh, has put his spirit in us. How amazing it is that by the power of the Spirit of God, we are not only brought back uh, into right relationship with God, but we become the very dwelling place of God. What a transformation has happened, because before, when we were in our natural condition, unregistered, regenerate condition before uh, sin came, before the curse came, uh, Adam and Eve would walk in the cool of the evening with God. But now that Jesus has come, the second and last Adam, not only are we able to walk with God, the Bible says that you have become the very dwelling place of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God has chosen to come and plant His Spirit in you. And so you are not the person you used to be. Hallelujah. You turn to your neighbor and say you are no longer the person you used to be. Amen. Uh, and I want to tell you, church, an awful lot of people know it up here. But what uh, I believe one of my major roles in ministry in these days is, is to enable people to, to process and to come from knowing something in their head so it drops right into their spirit. Hallelujah. And I've learned this, that you know you can say your parrot fashion prayer, A, B, C, D of the gospel, but I would sometimes ask the question, ask the question are you truly born again? Has the Spirit of God come to reside and abide in you? As you are you walking? with God? Are you talking with God? Don't come and talk to me about an experience you had 40 years ago with the Holy Ghost when you experienced some tingling in your hands and down your legs. Don't talk to me about the fact that 20 years ago God slain you in the Spirit and you had a beautiful experience. I'm not interested in that friend. I'm asking you about yesterday and I'm asking you about today. Are you aware of the truth that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Have you been baptized with the Holy Ghost? today? Have you been filled with the resurrection power of God today? Because that's what it takes friends. If we're going to be all that God has called us to be I can't live on yesterday's anointing I can't live on yesterday's bread I can't live on old oil I want to tell you sometimes we need an oil change. Have you put the dipstick in lately? Have you put the tester in? Have you uh, looked at yourself, assessed yourself? Uh, and would you, in looking at your own heart, say, I am full, filled to the fullness of the with the glory of God. That's the passion and the desire of my heart in these days. So this morning, we're going to look at the promise of the resurrection. Since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. And the promise, the resurrection is a promise made to every believer. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're either going to be raptured or risen from the dead. I don't know about you, I much prefer the rapture. Hallelujah. I want the rapture. Amen. But if I have to be raised from the dead, well, so be it, Lord. Amen. But thanks be to God for that amazing text here in John eleven twenty five. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? What a great question. Do you really believe that? And you know, when the word speaks of belief, it's not talking about a vague type of belief, uh, some kind of recognition that that might be a possibility. This, is, this, this belief here has become a reality to you. you. You know that you know that you know. And no matter what happens on the face of the earth, and we're living in incredible crucial times in these days, but no matter what happens on the earth, no matter what happens to you in your life, 
no matter what you go through, your pain, your sorrow, your anguish, no matter what storms and trials you face in life, there is something in your spirit that cannot be removed. It is the knowledge that you know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is your resurrection and He is your life. I believe one of the greatest problems in the church today is that we've got a God slot on a Sunday. We get all sharpened up, we suited and booted and we come to the house of the Lord and we do what we do. But I'm looking in these days and I'm sure you are for men and women to be so captivated and filled with the love of God and the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If ever we needed a revival, we need it now. And as I was saying to the men on Sunday morning, that revival begins at the house of the Lord. Personally, I've never known a day like it when I sense God moving in our hearts at a level that I've never known before. I'm aware of His glory, His life and His power like I've never known. And thanks be to God, it is because we today are carrying the resurrection power of the Lord. It is a promise to you, friend. You are carrying. Hallelujah! Is anybody out there? You are carrying something amazing. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the fact that we are carrying the very resurrection power of God. You say, Pastor, I don't feel it. Well, remember what I was talking about last night. Our feelings need to be renewed. Our feelings need to be lifted. We don't need to feel like the old man. We need to begin to feel like the new man. Hallelujah. Let your feelings be affected by your faith this morning. So praise the Lord. The question is, do you believe this? Do you know it? So I want to take us immediately to uh, the story of Lazarus and we'll read some verses together from John's Gospel chapter 11. That's just the introduction. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. What a great thing to do. Send word to Jesus. When did you last send word to Jesus? Lord, come. That's what they were saying. We need you to come. Maybe this morning in your own heart and your own life, you would say, Lord, you know exactly where I am. Jesus knew where Lazarus was. He knew exactly what was going on. And he says, Lord, they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Friends, I'd have to say, as I move through the body of Christ, sometimes we would have to say, the one you love is sick. The body of Christ is not being what she should be. Personally, maybe this morning, if you, if you bring true spiritual valuation over your heart, you would say, well, I'm not sick in my body, but actually, maybe I'm sick in my spirit. Maybe I'm sick in my heart and my mind. I'm troubled, I'm tormented, or whatever it might be. God says, listen, call for Jesus. Hallelujah. He's your great physician. Call for Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, when did you last call for Jesus? An awful lot of us are... I used to call in the doctor now. Well, Dr. Jesus is the best physician. Hallelujah. He knows how to make us whole and heal us. And so here we have this uh, incredible message. Let's carry on from the, the next verse. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I love that, don't you? Don't you just love seeing the depth of relationship and love that Jesus had for every individual? Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there. Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by the day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. He meant died. But I am going there to wake him up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When did you last call for Jesus? 
and when did Jesus last come and wake you up? Wake up, O sleeper, arise and shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Are you dead or alive? <laughs> Somebody's awake. <laughs> What's a great story, isn't it? Come on, he's fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Amen. A uh, wonderful story. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. And then we can end the story there. Of course, Thomas expected to die <laughs> before his time, but we won't go down that area. The sin in our lives affects every dimension of the people we are, our character, our nature, the way we think, the way we breathe, the way we go through life. The result of sin was devastating. Adam and Eve are excluded from the presence of God and it affected their spirit, their soul, their mind and body, their whole being. And yet Jesus is a terrific example here, speaking of Lazarus, says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. Friends, I'd have to stand on this platform and say, as a man of faith, there is no glory in sickness. The glory is in the healing. But we'd have to recognize that not everyone is healed. Because we saw last night that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. But I want to encourage you this morning to have an expectancy in your heart and your mind for God to grant you health, sustain you, keep you, anoint you and minister that the glory of God may be seen. And uh, how incredible it is that although some people uh, do pass from this life, uh, go through the grave earlier than we would have expected, I want to say that the glory of the resurrection and the glory of God's power still remains the same today. And I believe before the coming of the Lord we are going to see a mighty outpouring of resurrection power in the body of Christ. Things that we've longed to see, things that we've dreamed of, things that we've hoped of, things that God's Word has promised, we are going to see it come to pass. And I personally happen to believe it's going to happen in my lifetime. You say, Pastor Paul, all everybody in every generation who's been filled with the Spirit has had the same hope. Well, I believe exactly that. We should all have the same hope. We should have, all, all of us have the same knowledge that God is the Saviour, the Healer, the Baptizer, and the coming King. I still preach that message because God is able to heal the sick and raise the dead. I believe before the coming of the Lord there's going to be more people raised from the dead, don't you? I believe we're going to see an explosion of signs and wonders and miracles and healings and life like we've never seen before. Do you believe this? That's the question. Or has your experience of life in the physical realm robbed you of the knowledge that God has dropped in your heart? I believe in these days we're going to see things happen across the face of the earth that have been prophesied, that are going to be right on time, that they're in God's schedule, they're in God's purpose. And I prophesy, church, in this house, and I prophesy over your life that the day will come when you will experience God's power at a level that you never ever dreamt was possible because we believe it we're expecting it we have faith we have hope and it'll come to pass somebody say hallelujah See, I believe that uh, what we go through in life can rob us of our expectancy and our assurance of what is to come. Let me just point out to you uh, what happened in this uh, example here. And let me remind you, friends, that this is not a story. This is not a myth. There's a whole brand of the church that is, is teaching that these miracles that Jesus did and the miracles of the Old Testament are just a myth. A myth is a story to explain a truth. But this is not a story or a myth. This is a literal miracle that Jesus performed. And he's able to, he was able to do it then and he's still able to do it now. Hallelujah. I believe it. And you've got to put yourself in the, the shoes of these two wonderful sisters. Because actually, they loved their brother. 
And they were walking through the sorrow and the pain and the torment of this. And imagine the response in the hearts of these women. They said to Jesus, Jesus, the one you love is sick. Come, come. And they were thinking Jesus would drop everything and just come. But he didn't. Friends, have you ever been there when you thought Jesus should do something and he should do it right now? Doesn't always work like that, does it? My experience has been sometimes I can be praying for quite a long time before I see what God's got in his heart come to pass. I want to tell you, I've been preaching for over 30 years now. I know you're shocked because I look too young. (laughs) But I've actually been preaching for 35 years now. I started as a very young man. I was two. No, no, no. (laughs) I've been preaching since my early teens. And there are dreams and there are things that I long to see and long to happen. Things that I hope for, things that I pray for, things that drive me. I eat, sleep and dream them. And I'd have to stand on a platform and I'm sure Pastor Dave would give witness to this that we have not yet seen what we want to see. We have not yet seen thousands upon thousands being swept into the kingdom of God. We have not yet seen days of revival as they have done in days past. We talked about the Welsh revival. We talked, um, Pastor Dave was sharing with me the enormous revival that happened in your own nation. 1800s, Dave. Amazing. But we have not seen what we believe we will see. But I tell you something. I will not allow the fact that I've not yet seen it to rob me of the fact that I believe for it. I will not allow my faith to be undermined, my trust and my hope in the Word of God. No matter what I face, no matter what I go through, no matter what battles I have to battle through, I will stand firm knowing that God is more than able to raise the dead. He's more than able to perform miracles. Every sign and wonder that he said will happen. And I believe we'll see it with our literal physical eye before the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. Do you believe this? That's a question, isn't it? What a question. Or have we allowed ourselves because of experience, pain, hurt, not seeing to rob us? of our expectancy and faith. So these girls, these women, were walking through the reality of losing their brother. And Jesus says to Martha, and we can read it, can't we? But you know the story. Let me just share it with you. Uh, Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha says, yes, I know he will rise again at the end. And Martha had faith for the future but didn't have faith for the immediate. And I believe it is something that we need to learn together as the body of Christ. Many of us have the hope that I've been speaking of, the knowledge that I've been speaking of. Perhaps we need an increase of faith for the immediate as well as the future. And we maybe need to make it a matter of prayer that, Lord, increase my faith that we may believe, but that we might receive. And so Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And the whole occasion, as we know, was much more than a demonstration of the Lord's miraculous power. John's gospel is built around seven signs. Seven signs that speak of the reality of who Jesus is and the reality of what Jesus had come to do. A sign is uh, something is being portrayed that is greater than the miracle itself. So in other words, Lazarus was literally physically raised from the dead but the fact that that Jesus did that was pointing to the truth and the reality that it was actually Jesus himself the resurrection power of Jesus was in him hallelujah it is he that raises the dead all life is in him he brings all life and he sustains all life all life originates from him all life proceeds from him in him is your life your breath is held in his hand i don't know about you but now that i've got it got to the i might as well tell you now i'm at the great age of 52 going on 53 
Sometimes I think, Lord, I've got, you know, so many years left no matter what happens. And I want to live them for your glory. I want, I want to live every moment effective for you. And, and I'm sure that uh, Lazarus had been living his life with expectation of a certain length of life. And, uh, and then life is cut short for this man. And these girls are walking through that. And then Jesus comes and he says, I am. Imagine what happened when Jesus said those words, I am. Wow. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to have been there when Jesus stood there and said, I am. That great Old Testament declaration of who God is. I am that I am. So Jesus was showing himself to be the resurrection and the life. He was showing that he has the power and authority over death. This miracle was a shadow. It was a type of the ultimate resurrection that would come through the Lord Jesus Christ. He was showing that in Him is the power and strength to give life to all. He was showing that He is God Himself in human form. Life in His hand. Turn to your neighbor and say, whether you like it or not, your life is in His hand. Of course, He came to die and rise again. What a victory. And, you know, as we look at this story, uh, I use the word story, uh, I'm talking about the reality of it. When we look at the response of Jesus, we see the humanity of Christ as well as the spiritual authority in Him. We see the tenderness and the anguish over the circumstances that are as a, a result of death. And as we look at this, we need to be aware of the fact that we're not talking about fear in Jesus. We're talking about an intensity that was in Jesus to finish and complete the work that He had been called to do. And you'll find that men and women of God who are really moving in the will and the purpose of God, they have a, 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 a passion like the Apostle Paul. His face was, was set. Jesus has set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. Uh, Paul talks about finishing the race, completing well and doing all that God has called him to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to complete well. Hallelujah. And so, this is a terrific opportunity to look at the expressions and the action of Jesus. Look at me, uh, look at uh, verse uh, 33 with me in John 11. And we'll read some more verses. After Jesus had explained that He is the resurrection of life, um, He then went to the tomb. When Jesus saw her weeping, that's Mary, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. We don't think about Jesus being moved in spirit and troubled because of uh, our knowledge, our, our sort of idea of him is that he's walking above all these things. But here we see the humanity of Jesus. This, he says, where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. Can I say, friend, some of us could do with allowing ourselves to be deeply moved. Some of us could do with allowing ourselves to have a touch of the compassion of Jesus for people. Sometimes when we go through life, we lose our ability to love people. We put parameters of protection around ourselves. Don't come near me. Get out of my face. And sometimes we need to drop our guard. You know, I've discovered something. I'm far more likely to reach somebody for Jesus if I'm willing to weep with them. I'm far more, far more likely to lead somebody into the kingdom of God if I'm willing to get involved with whatever they're going through and walk through it with them. 
And church life has to step beyond just sitting in a seat. We have to get involved at a relational level. Remember what I was speaking about last night? That we were not created to be in isolation, but we were created to work and serve God together. You're not alone, friend, and you'll never achieve your goal on your own. But we need to be in a deeper relationship because we belong together. Turn to your neighbor and say, we share the same spirit. And we do. We need to operate like that and commit together in love. And so Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Remember, friends, last night when I talked about the fact that Jesus was laid in a cave. And when he came out, I love it because they said, Roll, you know, who, as they were going to the tomb, who will roll away the stone? And when they arrived, the stone had already been rolled away. I love the image of one of the gospel says, and there was an angel sitting on top of it. <laughs> Glory. And Jesus had come out of the tomb. And this is a shadow. This is pointing to the resurrection for us all. Take away the stone, he said. And as Jesus stood there, I want to tell you the vocabulary in this text means that Jesus did more than a gentle weep. Jesus had more than just tears in his eyes. The vocabulary will tell you that he let out a, such a, a deep groan that the whole of his body shook. If you go to the original text and the Hebrew and the Greek background there, you'll find that that's what the words say. That Jesus was so moved in the depth of his being and his spirit and heart over the death of Lazarus, the anguish and the distress that he felt meant the whole of his body shook. And here's the image and the picture I want you to see. That Jesus stood outside the tomb of Lazarus. He was standing there before the result of sin. It was sin that put Lazarus in the tomb. Death came through one man. And it came to Lazarus. And here he is in the tomb. And Jesus stands outside the tomb. He looks at the crowd. He sees the compassion. He sees the tears. And in those days, friends, they used to pay people to mourn. Because it was a sign of how popular you were. But Jesus didn't do that. He stood there. And with an enormous depth and cry, the Bible says he shook with distress and he shrieked out from his spirit. And I believe he was saying, Lord, Father, I can't wait to deal with this enemy of death. Jesus knew that he would take on the enemy, the spirit of death. And he would overcome. He would overcome. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you, that day I stood at the head of my father's grave. And threw the soil in. And said the words of committal. I was conscious of the fact that one day that very ground would open. Hallelujah. That very ground where I was standing one day by the power of God would open up and my dad would rise from the dead. Hallelujah. I believe in a physical resurrection. Do you know that? The gospel's clear. You, you can't get hold of that gospel and say, well, it's going to be some sort of weird, woolly, spiritual resurrection. We're all going to be floating about. I believe in a physical resurrection. Jesus physically rose from the dead. Lazarus physically rose from the dead. He was a shadow, so he'd have died again. But Jesus died once for all. Hallelujah. And so he stands at the tomb. 
And he says those words, I wish I'd been there. Lazarus! I don't think he went, Lazarus? Do you think that? I think Jesus was a real man. Glory to God. I think with the authority of the voice that raised the dead. Wow. I don't think it was a whisper. He'd have had the same authority and power if he did whisper. But I think Jesus was showing and demonstrating to the heavens and all the principalities and powers around him. I'm standing here and I'm showing you that I have the power and authority even over death. Hallelujah. That's your Savior. That's your Savior. Turn to your neighbor and say, what a Savior you've got. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amazing. You say, Pastor Paul, you're dramatizing it. Well, listen, friend. This thing lives in me. This thing, it, it's, I eat it, sleep it, and breathe it. And so I can't help but see the reality of what the Spirit of God shows happened to, to, to the, in this situation. Take away the stone. And Jesus takes away the heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, how's your heart doing? Then it says, Lazarus, come out. Amen. Hallelujah. That was a moment of deliverance, wasn't it? A moment of deliverance. Jesus enables us to leave the things of death behind and come to new life. Maybe there's some things in your own heart and your own life you just need to say, Lord, I leave them behind in the old cave. You became sin for us that we might become the very righteousness of God. And then take off the grave clothes and let him go. Don't you just love the fact that Jesus involved the disciples in loosing this man and letting him go? Hallelujah. So the promise of Jesus, the promise of resurrection comes through the one man, Christ Jesus. Secondly, the resurrection is a promise made to our fathers in the faith. Amen. Passed down. I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. And we've got to learn how to pass the baton to the next generation. Some of you young people in this building, you need to be growing faster than you are. You need to be maturing. You need to learn to get open that book. I want to tell you, when I was a little fella, when I was a young man, I was looking at men, mighty men of God, and saying, Lord, I believe you can make me like them. I believe I can preach. I believe I can teach. I believe you can anoint me. I, I, I've got my heroes. I, I don't have a problem with looking at someone because the Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But I want to tell you, as long as you choose the right, holy and righteous men of God, learn from them, rub shoulders with them as we were coming to the end of that meeting a lovely man I respect and love took his jacket off and he said like this I could do with some of that <laughs> and I want to tell you that's exactly how it works sometimes but we need to learn how to lock ourselves away with God with the one who raised Lazarus from the dead amazing and it's a promise made to our fathers just quickly flick over to Acts chapter 26 Acts 26. Some great verses here that spell out very precisely what we have received by way of promise from our fathers in the faith. And this is a situation where uh, Paul is before King Agrippa giving defense for his faith in Jesus. And uh, we don't have time to read the whole story, but let me pick it up here at... Uh, I've got too much writing on my Bible. I can't see what the verse is. I think it's verse 6. Okay, are you there? And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. 
O king, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. And then look at this great line. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? And so, as Paul puts up these great points, just very priestly, briefly, three of them, it's because of my hope in what God has promised to our fathers that I'm on trial today. Secondly, this promise was made to the 12 tribes. That's what they were hoping to see fulfilled. Um, David himself, uh, you can find it in Acts chapter 2. He, uh, Peter preaches it on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost is poured out. David believed in the resurrection of the dead. Hallelujah. And then thirdly, why should you consider... It incredible that God raised the dead. What a defense. And so he spoke of our fathers in the faith. And we could draw many Old Testament examples about uh, the shadows and types of the Lamb of God laying down his life on the altar and, being, and coming back to life, uh, pointing to Jesus. But uh, in, fathers in the faith, we, uh, the one that would immediately spring to mind would be Abraham. So uh, you don't have, we don't have time to turn to it, but if you went to Genesis 22, you find uh, it records the uh, story of Abraham and Isaac. And you remember it, don't you? His uh, father, uh, Isaac's father, sets off with his boy to go to the mount to sacrifice his son. When he gets there, he's partway there, and the boy says, uh, Dad, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham in faith is saying, the Lord God will provide. And of course, he allowed his, uh, Abraham, his man, God's man, to get to the point where he laid his son on the altar. And if you look at it, you will see that he laid him on top of wood. And so he laid him on the wood. And he was just about to slay his son. And God stopped him and provided a ram. It's a shadow pointing to the sacrifice of Jesus that one day he would lay down his life on Mount Calvary, the Lamb of God, God's one and only Son, laid upon the wood of the cross. And then, friends, thirdly, and I want you to get this today. I want you to grab hold of this this morning above everything else. The resurrection guarantees that every promise of God is yes and amen. Hallelujah. Every promise of God is yes and amen. There's a great text going to come up on the screen in a moment. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. I want to ask you if there is an amen to the promises of God in your heart. When you read them, when you unravel them, when you unpack what God is saying in His Word, is there an amen in your spirit? When we talk about the resurrection of Christ, when we talk about the promise of resurrection, is there a living amen? And not a, de not a dead word, but a living amen. And that's the difference. Amen is, 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 is a doing word. It's a yes, Lord. It's a so be it in me. In me, Lord. Do it in me, Lord. Put the resurrection power in me, Lord. Come, 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 Lord, come. Come to right where I, you know where I am, but come right to where I am, Lord. And many of us would say, well, where I am, Paul, I feel as if I'm still in the cave. And others would say, well, I've come so far out, and I, but I feel as if I've still got chains of death upon me. My spirit is depressed. I'm controlled by fear. I'm angry. I'm bitter. I'm in torment. I'm troubled. I can't sleep at night. I've got anxiety. I'm, I'm, my whole body is, is racked with pain at times. I've got anguish. I'm in distress. Jesus went through it all. So that the resurrection power of God can come alive in you and take the cords of death from you, deliver you and set you free and fill you with the power of the resurrection life of Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. 
I was waiting for that moment. <laughs> and it breaks my heart. Can I say that to you? Sometimes my heart is almost breaking. And sometimes I find it almost unbearable. And sometimes when I'm locked away with God, I would have to say, Lord, what is it going to take for your people to come to not only a place of realization in here, but of realization in here, in the depth of your spirit? What is it going to take, Lord? What is it going to take to bring us to the place where we become the men and women that are truly living life in resurrection power? That's normal Christianity. So the resurrection of Jesus guarantees that every promise God has made will be fulfilled. He took on the greatest challenge, death has been swallowed up in victory. I want to quickly finish with these three points because three points make prizes. <laughs> Although if John is... Lord, I cast out Cliff's flu in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I ain't got time to be ill. <laughs> Just lick that, brother. <laughs> do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because, come on, friends, you can read this book like any other book. You could go to theological school and you could come out with this thing, but it won't be written on your heart. It won't be written on your mind. What a transformation. From the garden to the grave to glory. That's what we've got. Where my spirit was so broken, broken and wounded by sin, God comes and restores me. You cannot come to a place of restoration without allowing the Spirit of God to wash you in the depth of your being. Cleansing will always come before restoration. Washing you clean by the power of the Spirit and the Word. Rebirth and the Word will always come first. But if we allow it, then we will stand at the entrance of our tomb. And we will hear the voice of God saying, Come out. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, friend, that happened to me when I was a young man. And by God's grace, I've walked with Jesus. What a miracle. And let these words come alive to you now. The resurrection declares Jesus to be the Son of God with power.
Hallelujah. Without the resurrection, there's no gospel. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. But with the resurrection, we have all hope. Hallelujah. Romans 1 verse 4, who through the spirit of holiness declared with power to be this, was declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. The resurrection is proof that Jesus is who he said he was, the Son of God. Then the promise of the Bible, all of which Jesus endorses, are the sure word of God. We don't have time to look at it, but Luke 24, 44, 49. I hope you'll read it when you get home. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. I want to tell you again, friend, from this platform, every word that God has said will happen. I don't know about you. We've said it. I've said it several times this weekend. I just feel we're on the verge of the coming of the Lord. Look what's happening. Dictators have been toppled. The nation's uh, powers are being changed. The Middle East is being set up for the next season in the purpose of God. Jesus waited until the Father said to him, Go to Lazarus now, son. If he'd gone earlier, it would be not in the will of God. When he went, it was right on time. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't worry, everything's right on time. Everything's right on time. Don't have fear. Everything's right on time. If the oil runs out, we'll go back to horses. Everything's okay. It is well with my soul. As I walk through life, as I achieve and do what God has called me to do, it is well with my soul. Can I say, I've never known a time when it is so well with my soul. And I think we should be like that. Turn to your neighbor and say, how is your soul? Is it well? Is it well? See, if it's well with your spirit and well with your soul, it'll be well with your mind. If it's well with your mind, it'll be well with your body. If it's well, it's because Jesus is flowing through us. Hallelujah. And then, thirdly, he who keeps his word in raising the dead will certainly keep all his promises. How amazing that what Jesus spoke before the creation of the world has happened exactly as he said it. If you ever need any assurance or any encouragement in your spiritual life, whether to follow Jesus or not, look at the proof of the resurrection and then experience it in your heart. Ephesians 1:19. that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Jesus has risen from the dead. Friend, we were banished from the garden. But I tell you, we've been welcomed in the kingdom. We were banished from the garden and from the presence of God. But we've been welcomed as his sons. And we've become the dwelling place of almighty God. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just take a few moments to pause now, friends. Just gently put everything down, no movement. Stand in the glory of God. Hallelujah. Would you like to repeat this prayer with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I choose this morning to make the prayer of faith 
I ask for Jesus to come right to where I am. Come and stand alongside me. Let me hear your call. Let me hear your cry. Call me by name. As your word has said, for I come away from my old life. I come away from my old ways, from all doubt and fear. And I stand at the entrance of the beginning of a new day. I hear your call and I say, here I am. Loose me and enable me to be the person you've called me to be. I receive a mighty deliverance in the authority of your name, by the power of your word, by the power of your resurrection. I receive new life. Father, empower me to be all you've called me to be. Lord, visit me. Bring a new day of revival in me. Enable me to stand up strong in the Lord, aware, Lord Jesus, that you have put your Spirit in me and upon me. And I thank you, Lord, now. I can say I believe. I believe you are the resurrection and you are my life. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you will come again in the timing of the Father, and I will be with you forever. So Lord, from this morning, I dedicate my life to you afresh. May I be a light shining in a dark place. May people see Jesus in me. I receive the empowering of your Spirit. I choose a life of obedience. I believe, I receive, and I allow the amen to be heard in my heart and in my mouth because every promise in the Word is yes and amen for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.